Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hamlety. This week, we will finally get to the heart of Polonius's machinations. He has been quite detailed in his instructions to Rinaldo, his servant, arranging for him to find other Danish people in Paris and inferring that Laertes has been misbehaving in the various ways listed in the previous episode. Of course, we have to bear in mind that despite his doddering and his fondness for the sound of his own voice, Polonius is a shrewd politician. I can imagine him being a rather ferocious chess player. Having explained just how far Rinaldo can go with his catalogue of Laertes' fake indiscretions, he gets to the point. You laying these slight sullies on my son, as twere a thing a little soiled in the working, mark you, your party in converse, him you would sound, having ever seen in the pre-nominate crimes the youth you breathe of guilty. Be assured, he closes with you in this consequence. Good sir, or so, or friend, or gentleman, according to the phrase or the addition of man and country. This is surely among the most convoluted phrases an actor ever has to speak in a play. There's barely a full stop in the whole thing to help an actor out, but it is a great insight into Polonius's character too. The language all feels needlessly complicated, the rhythm of the verse is interrupted, and he shows again his tendency to over-explain. Just as we saw back in the first soliloquy, there is a divide between Sally and Sully. Hamlet spoke of two-two solid flesh, which some editors can also render as sallied or indeed sullied. Here Polonius could mean slight sallies, as little attacks on Laertes, or slight sullies, little blemishes. I personally prefer the latter because it ties in with the next line, the suggestion this way, is that Rinaldo lays these slight sullies on Laertes as though he's an item that has been scuffed or bruised a little in the process of his development. Does this perhaps imply that Polonius thinks of him as a work in progress? Certainly, this keen interest feels proprietary and very invested. The father surely has high hopes and plans for the son. Polonius then adds a little mark you to Rinaldo. It doesn't fit the metre, it's just an extra addition that insists, again, on the servant's attention. Here's a man with a strong desire to know that he's being heard. Now we get into the really convoluted stuff. The sense is clear, but the arrangement of the language seems deliberately obtuse. Again, it's worth remembering the evidence that Shakespeare was drawing a loose sketch of Lord Burley here. Loose enough to avoid trouble, but accurate enough to be entertaining at least. Your party, in converse, him you would sound, having ever seen in the prenominate crimes the youth you breathe of guilty, be assured, he closes with you in this consequence. My own translation, you're trying to sound out the person you're chatting with, and if they've ever seen Laertes engaging in the crimes listed above, be assured that they'll answer you as follows. Obviously, my version isn't in blank verse, and the order is changed, although I used exactly the same number of words, but the sense is there. You'd almost forgive Rinaldo for letting his attention wander with a boss who meanders through language like this. 
Now Polonius gilds the lily and lists the various ways that folks might begin to answer. Good sir, or so, or friend, or gentleman, according to the phrase or the addition of man and country. He doesn't seem to be showing any great knowledge of the languages or customs of any particular countries or indeed men, but he does so like to perform, doesn't he? It won't be too long now before he's telling Hamlet about his performances as a student actor. Rinaldo, still here and still trying to listen, answers gently, Very good, my lord. This isn't much help as it actually puts Polonius off his train of thought. And then, sir, does he this? He does... What was I about to say? By the mass, I was about to say something. Where did I leave? There's a nice chance for some human comedy here amid all of Polonius's verbosity. The servant can score a few points with the audience for mirroring our feelings, whether of boredom or of eagerness for the man to get to the point. But Polonius swears by the mass, which is usually an indicator of a more Protestant setting for a play. Is Shakespeare ever so slightly inferring that Polonius represents the new regime, allied as he is with Claudius, while Hamlet's father, very likely in purgatory, as we've learned, represents the old, Catholic, chivalrous, medieval world that is dying? Or perhaps he's just an old man who's frustrated and feels like swearing because he's annoyed at having forgotten what he was talking about. Rinaldo reminds Polonius by quoting individual words in his speech, rather than the point of what he's been saying. It's a very welcome chance for some fun, certainly. He prompts, at closes in the consequence, at friend or so, and gentleman? Polonius replies, at closes in the consequence, I marry. He closes thus, I know the gentleman. I saw him yesterday, or t'other day, or then, or then, with such, or such, and, as you say, there was a gaming, there overtook in his rouse, there falling out at tennis, or perchance, I saw him enter such a house of sale, be delicate a brothel, or so forth. See you now, your bait of falsehood takes this carp of truth, and thus do we of wisdom and of reach, with windlasses and with assays of bias, by indirections find directions out. So by my former lecture and advice, Shall you, my son? You have me, have you not? So, finally, I might add, Polonius's intentions are clear. He wants Rinaldo to find out the truth of Laertes' behaviour by trapping other people into talking ill of him. Polonius lists all the various little sins again. Gaming, drinking, tennis. The latter might not seem so egregious to us today, but no more than fencing, as mentioned earlier. It was the behaviour of those that gathered to participate in these activities that was of concern. Yet again, too, Polonius is especially eager to know if his son is visiting prostitutes, to the extent that Shakespeare has him use a euphemism first, a house of sale, and then, so typically for this character, he uses a Latin term to point out the more ordinary word for it. Videlicate means, that is to say, it's not the most frequent word in Shakespeare, surprise, surprise, and all the other plays it appears in are comedies. Polonius is really losing the run of himself here. He just gets a little flustered, I think, whenever he's talking about brothels. So he then writes himself, See you now. Your bait of falsehood takes this carp of truth, and thus do we of wisdom and of reach, with windlasses and with assays of bias, 
by indirections, find directions out. He's back on track now, with much smoother language and more sophisticated metaphors. The carp is a tricky fish to catch, but a worthwhile one. And so he's implying that this baiting of Laertes is worthwhile. He talks of we of wisdom and of reach. He himself, who will perhaps be shown by the end of the play to have far less wisdom or influence, reach, than he thought. Windlasses were a kind of snare used in hunting, again with the predatory images, eagerly prowling for sordid truths about Laertes. Ironically, the final strategy he mentions, assays of bias, comes from the game of lawn bowls. The bias in the construction of the bowling ball is what allows the ball to take a curved path to its target. This is a pretty brilliant image for what Polonius is trying to do, and at the same time, it's a lovely contrast. The father is concerned that the son might be having far too much fun in Paris, fencing, playing tennis, and all manner of seedier activities, while Shakespeare manages to imply Polonius really would prefer if Laertes were at home doing something far more respectable and boring, like playing bowls. His strategy in all of this is finally articulated. By indirections, he will find directions out. Despite the catalogue of sins he's listed, which he clearly fears Laertes is committing non-stop over in decadent Paris, he doesn't quite ever tell us why he's so interested or concerned. But, having grown to his point, Polonius checks with Rinaldo again. You have me, have you not? My lord, I have. God be with you. Fare you well. Good my lord. Observe his inclination in yourself. I shall, my lord. And let him ply his music. Well, my lord. Farewell. Polonius really does loving say goodbye as often as possible, but he also insists that Rinaldo observe Laertes personally, and that he ensure that Laertes practices his music, which is, of course, one of the great aspects of the education of a gentleman. This is a nice, lighter parental touch after the alarming invasion he's laid out through the scene so far. Now that Laertes has been dealt with, Ophelia enters, right on cue, but we'll save her interview for the next episode. Thank you very much for listening, as ever. Do please stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter, where you can find us at Hamlet Podcast. And feel free to subscribe and get the word out. And of course, check out all of the treasures that await you at thehamletpodcast.com.